Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. ¿Qué tal, mi gente? It's your girl, Odalis Jasmine, and y'all are listening to Hella Latino. I'm talking to Ruben Rojas today. Let me tell you all about him. In 2013, Rojas traded his suit for a paintbrush and began transforming these beautiful white blank walls into unique, empowering messages that are today uplifting communities and challenging the public to create new dialogues. His mission is to ignite creativity and inspire others to see the world through the lens of love. And to hear a Latino man talk about this so openly and with such grace, man, it had me snapping. Hope we can all instill this message into every man, woman, and human that it's time for us to dream hard, live in joy, and most importantly, love big. Let's meet Ruben, y'all. I'm not, one day I'll be at your level and do the in-person interviews, but for now, we're virtual. But welcome, Ruben. I'm excited to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I want to first acknowledge all the things that you're doing and give you all your flowers because building, as you say, a culture of love is just so beautiful. And to see a, to see a Latino man do it as well, it's, it, I'm just so proud just to be like in the same community as you. So thank you for all that you're building for Thank everyone you. to see. Thank you. Received. <laughs> I want to start with the first question I start every podcast episode with, and that's how do you identify Ruben and why? How do I identify? Ooh, we could go down a rabbit hole. So it's as human. Let's do it. <laughs> it's humans straight up. We're all humans. I paint that on a wall. I think when we add all these additional labels and on top of it or lead with that, we're just either creating more walls and barriers and divisiveness, or you just don't even allow for conversation. So, mm-hmm. hey, I'm human. Oh, cool. That's it. I'm a human. <laughs> has that always been the way you identify or has that evolved over time? I think the term, how do you identify is very new, right? In mm-hmm. today's world, it's a different modern world than when we were growing up much younger. Yeah. So, Again, that's it's just a new topic. It's a new phrase. No one really said, "How do you identify?" It's like, okay, I'm a, I'm a human now. Like because there is so many layers to it. It's like an onion now. It is. Speaking of, let's unravel the onion. Talk about how you grew up. Tell me about little Ruben running around. Like, paint the picture of what it was like to, to grow up the way that you did. Oh, little Ruben. So I grew up in Panorama City in the Valley. And I was born in Cedar sinai so I'm born and raised native Angelino. Both my parents are Colombian. They didn't immigrate together. My mom came at seven, had a different, you know, Americanized life. My dad came around 21. They just happened to both be Colombian and meet at some point. And they made me the firstborn. I have a younger brother. He's two years younger. 
and we we just very active, played sports, traveled a lot, went to private school. It was all about get good grades, and I very much like doing sports, so I added that to my thing. And be the example as the older brother, so I have to be like the perfect can't fail example as they put on us. I think that's a very immigrant culture thing. And then, you know, get good grades and go attack the world. So besides that, I played a lot. I drew a lot. I, uh, you know, I got to experience a lot. Spoke Spanish at home, still speak Spanish. That's going to be tough with my kid because my wife doesn't speak Spanish. She's like, he better learn Spanish and that's all on you. I'm like, but when we communicate in English and then you just want me to randomly talk to him in Spanish, it's going to be a little tough. So at some point, Spanish immersion school and all that, I do want to make sure he's bilingual. My, one of my favorite things when I travel to a country I can speak in, uh, mm. in my native tongue, I love it. It's just so much better. And, you know, There's so, so much power in that. Mm-hmm. So much power. How? Tell me about the love story with art because, I mean, I see your background. I see the, the murals that you've done and just all the beautiful artwork that you've done. Where did that love story begin with art? Yeah, I've been an artist my whole life. So as a kid, I was always drawing. I used to draw comic book covers. I used to draw like graffiti in books. I never got into the graffiti scene. You know, my mom did a good job of making sure I stayed on the the, the, the small, short, narrow path. Plus sports. I love playing sports. You know, it's, you don't have a lot of time when you're doing full-time sports, school, and family stuff. But it's always been there. You know, we've done oil painting and, and charcoal classes and sculpting and wood whittling. But it wasn't that thing that, you know, go be an artist. It just wasn't right. the thing, you know? And and the world now is completely different than when it was then. Like, you can start painting now, put on Instagram, YouTube, put it out there, and all of a sudden, you build this career. You know, back then, you know, some of the big dogs like Wyland and he had his own gallery and things like that. It was a different world. So it was always there, though, and I ran away from it all the time. It was... What can I do that's not this? Not on purpose. It wasn't like I had aspirations to go to art school or anything. I just didn't click one and two that this is how I can make a living. So I went to study to become a surgeon. So that was the path. I was going to be a surgeon. Wow. Then I ended up in So kind of like art, right? A little bit. I mean, yeah, with my hands, cutting out the things or drawing. Like that's, I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. So I would have been, you know, dealing with bones Mm. and ligaments and all that. That led me to real estate, made a lot of money early. And in this country, especially as an immigrant, I think, immigrant son, first generation of that, you see how much you are measured by wealth, by material stuff. You know, the self-worth of a man is like, you walk around rich, you look rich, you could provide for a woman, you could have a family, you know, it provides safety, you have a good career. Like, and look, there's nothing wrong about thinking those things. They're true. We're out here as human beings trying to survive. So we have instincts to try to survive. And as a male, we have instincts of showing that we can provide safety and all these things. But trying to do it to fill a void inside of me, like, hey, I have an Escalade on 26 rims, inch rims. Awesome. But what was I really hiding? What, what, where did I not think I was worthy or enough or any of that. And we know that, you know, doing the work over and over and over, we, I constantly remind myself that I'm enough and I'm unworthy. We were born enough. We're not, not enough. You know, it's not like I'm walking around 
half full. We don't realize that. And we are worthy of everything we decide, but it's a different mindset. So 2008, I lose it all. You know, I made a ton of money. I lose it all. Sell it, bankrupt, do the thing, figure out who I am in that moment. I'm like, whoa, I'm still me. Just don't have all the things. Am I a failure now? Am I not successful now? Like, I have no idea. So for the next year, I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? And I go and do finance. You know, talk to a couple people. They're like, go down finance. Great. Five years into this thing, I'm succeeding, making money again. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm in another career where money is the metric. Literally, you're measured by what you sell. And then that's it. Yes, we're doing good work for people. In, in mortgages and real estate, we're putting them in houses. In finance, we're doing insurance and disability and investments and retirements. Very good work for people. But it's really measured by how much you make and how much you generate for the business. And then that's how you're measured. I'm like, I don't want to constantly be in a business where I'm being measured by the money I bring in. And at this point, I had already lost it all. So I already had this gap. Like, what am I going to do with my life that's more important than just making money? Yeah. Look, don't get me wrong. My making money is good. I need to make money. I love making money. <laughs> but the, the purpose behind how I'm making my money had to be different, had to be greater. So around five years in, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm avoiding everything. Don't want to go to work. You know, if I do go to work, I do the bare minimum. I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? I am so miserable and unhappy. And how do I fix this? My, my buddy at the time, you know, what he's grown to in the last 10 years is amazing. But he took some time and said, hey, Ruben, come get some coffee with me. I'm doing this thing, right? Drinking a coffee. And I'm like, okay, right place, right time. What do I have to lose? I'm already questioning everything. I already just like, I'm fit, I'm healthy, no kids, no baggage. You know, I was bankrupt, so now I'm debt free. Like everything's <laughs> going good for me, right? I rebuilt my credit, but what, why don't I want to get out of bed? This isn't cool. And if I'm not quote unquote broken, uh, I shouldn't be feeling this way or thinking these thoughts. But you know, at any point, we're all thinking these things and you don't have to be broken. And I put that in quotes for people listening because you could, that's a buzzword too. And that could be a trigger word. Like, what does that mean? But uh, we all have our own obstacles as being humans and we're all fallible. And it's starting to question that and realizing like, what do I need to do? Why do I need to do it? You know, instead of shoulda, coulda, woulda, start really realizing like, I don't want to live in regret and I don't want to live in the past. And I need to figure something out. So again, he invited, he invited me to the coffee. He said, Hey, I'm doing this workshop. It's like leadership work. It's digging in. It's like, Digging in, right? Very, a lot of crying. <laughs> so I did it. And I went through that. That led me to my first mural. And uh, it, it was just a happy accident. I never thought, hey, I'd be doing murals. I was designing the hoodie for the class that was graduating. And then my buddy's like, hey, we got to put that on a wall. So that led to the first mural. And we did that as our community service project for this, this class we were in. And here we are, that kind of led it down the path. And then it still wasn't just love. I mean, love or fear is how we operate. So that's why I've distilled it down to that. But that first mural did ask a question, who will you be? And I was asking myself this. And then it was all these ways of being. It was my silhouette, my arms up. And then it said leader, responsible, amor, joyful, humble, humility, all different ways of saying all these words. And the, 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 premise behind it is like, what do I need to see in the world to remind me that I am any and all these things 
whenever I choose them, right? Because we were choosing fear. Hey, I'm not enough. I need to go buy a, an expensive truck. I'm not enough. I need to freeze the fat because I just don't feel sexy or I need bigger boobs or whatever the case is, right? We all feel like we need these other things because we're not enough, quote unquote. So I'm like, no, I don't want to keep seeing that. I want to see something else in the world. So I painted that mural and then that led to another and another and another. And all the murals were like paint inspirations and it was things that I needed to see. And because we're mirrors of each other, if I need to see it, maybe you need to see it or anyone down the street needs to see it or anyone driving needs to see it. But for them, it could impact them differently, right? I'll, I'll open the door, but you've got to walk through it. And if for you, it means today I'm going to be responsible for my choices. Awesome. If today means I'm going to be happy for what I have or grateful or a leader or you know what? I need to be more humble in my life. They were just all these words that were reminding you who you get to choose to be. It's your choice. We actually have a couple things that are in our power. One is keeping our word. And the other one is choosing our mindset. We get to choose that and work on it. So yeah. here we are. So that's your love story with art. <laughs> yeah, art was just a, another way of expressing that medium. Yeah. It's, my, it's my medium for everything. That's expanded into sculptures and clothing and podcasts and speaking and tequila. <laughs> you know, wherever we could put love is a reminder for people. <laughs> What what happened to your mental health and state when you started to do more art and lean into that work? Well, it's not like all of a sudden I was cured. So like, we could take right. that off the table. But I was more happy. Every day I was happier and happier and happier because I'm choosing happiness, right? It's my choice to make these decisions. Yeah. The struggle, and it was a happy struggle, is like, how do I leave my old life and create this art life like then that became a struggle and there's a whole thing around that and that's a business decision i've been a businessman my whole life so i've always been able to generate my own income i've actually always been self-employed i don't think i've ever had a boss even when i worked at la fitness as a trainer we had a gm of the gym but it was like the tiniest base salary and all commission and that base salary you couldn't live off of so it was still incentivized but um, I just had to tell myself, you've always been able to generate money since your first little hustling in eighth grade to now, like what is stopping you? So ultimately I had to me getting over my own doubt to move forward, but then realizing how can I generate money at this craft? And that became by doing other art gigs. Like I painted 30 foot tall GT kombucha bottles on their warehouse that brought in some money. Other projects brought in some money. It wasn't my work yet. But I kept doing my work also until people are like, we just want you for your work. But you have to realize that if you don't have a plan, then you're going to run back to wherever you left. And that is the, the, the common warning I give everyone. Just because you had one great weekend on a side hustle doesn't mean it really is a viable business yet. So I'm not saying take your sweet time in leaving to the high side hustle to make it real, but really plan it out, figure it out. Do I have money in the bank for reserves. Do I have a somewhat of a plan on how can I generate income over and over again? Am I getting consistent clients? Does this look feasible? And then start making that leap. But if you leap cold turkey, you know, cool, good for you. Leap, go. Because I do that too. But 
without a plan, you might end up back where you were and you won't have enough runway to continue forward. So that's the only thing I really warn people with. Make sure that, that you cover your bases so that you have an opportunity to make yourself win. Yeah, yeah. You know, as you were talking about um, enoughness, which I think is a common thing we all think about, especially, I mean, in my experience being first generation, growing up in an immigrant household, I thought once I have my own apartment, once I have a full-time job, once I have like just, once I'm self-sufficient and independent financially, I made it, I'm successful, I'm enough. And I got to all those things and I'm like, okay, it's not, it's not hitting. Where, where's the missing piece here? And I just, yesterday actually just watched this documentary with Jonah Hill called Stuts. Have you seen it? I know of it. It's on my list to watch, but I haven't watched it yet. Highly, highly recommend. Um, But there was a piece there where they were talking about this snapshot of life of like, we have this snapshot in our mind and we think once we get here in the snapshot, perfect marriage, perfect house, perfect job, perfect, et cetera, then we'll be happy. Then we'll feel like enough. Then we made it. And then we'll feel full. And then what happens, and this therapist is talking about it, we get to that snapshot. And in Jonah Hill's case, he made it there early. He still felt unworthy. He still felt undesirable to the world. He still felt pain, depression, all those things are still there. And I think it's this beautiful reminder of like, there's nothing externally that's going to make us feel fulfilled. That's, that's all the inner work that we need to go on, the journey that we need to go on that even when I thought I told my therapist like a few weeks ago, I'm like, I thought I was done healing. Like, what is this? <laughs> She's like, oh, never done. No, never done. But it's it's this reality of like the inner relationship. And that's why I love what you're building with this. This just the word love. And it means so much, so many things, so much deeper than just the word love. And I want to ask you about one specific mural um, that you did at Lancaster Prison. Tell me about that experience, the forgive, forgiven, because I just thought that was such a beautiful message and to do it in a prison. Like, tell me about that story. Yeah, that was a really fun project. Um, So my neighbor used to do some work at that prison with the dogs and he knew what I was doing. This was, I think, 2017 now. It's been a while, but it seems kind of like yesterday. He's like, hey, Ruben, would you like to come to talk to the guys at the prison? You know, they would love... They just love meeting other people. I think you have a cool story. Like, go share that with them. So I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Why not? And at the time, I didn't really know my neighbor. We just got in a car and drove two and a half hours to Lancaster. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we're in the car together for a long time. And then we get there, and we walked through that whole thing. And there was another artist. He, he started talking to me about his shame cycle and how art he's used art to help with his conversations around shame. And that's a whole huge thing. And just, we're doing the tour. We do a, a Q&A. I get, they all sit in front of me. They all talk. They ask me questions. Later, they're, they're passing their hats around. I'm signing their hats. It's, it's cool because I saw some of the names that signed those hats. I'm like, oh, some of my buddies are on here and some of these other people. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. And not to name drop, so I'm not going to say any of their names. But uh, it just became a thing. And as we walked the tour, I'm like, you know what would be cool? we could do a mural on one of these cell blocks and I kind of just threw it out there and I guess someone heard because my neighbor then a couple months later hey uh they said yes to like do you really want to do this 
I'm like, yeah, let's do it, but we got to film it. Like, we got to take care of that. And he, he's in TV production, so that's why we ended up with the the cool film and everything. Got us all through the red tape. Took a while. It almost at the last minute didn't happen for what some insurance release or I'm like, no, this has to happen. It has to happen. So that's kind of how we led to that situation. And then we were there that day and we were painting. But let me backtrack a little bit. These men were all murderers. They all took a life. Like if if we're ranking sins, it's probably one of the worst, if not the worst sin, right? To take another human's life. And and I got to sit there and talk to a lot of them and hear their story. And let's, let's I mean, if we if we look at cancel culture, everything happening right now, once you make a mistake, you're kind of just vetoed. Like you're gone, you're done. It's like, yeah. no, we're not allowed to be humans. We're not allowed to be fragile, fallible, and make mistakes anymore, especially if we're out certain platforms. And, you know, they grew up in hoods. They grew up in gangs. They grew up wrong place, wrong time. They grew up not realizing they had choices to do other things. Not everyone knows that they have a choice. So it's always important when I say you have choices, but you still get to go realize that you have choices. So I talked to them. Some have been there 35 years, 10 years, 8 years, 14 years, all kinds of different spans. And uh, a lot of them are actually out now because they've done their time, they've they've done well, and they've rehabbed. But I asked the question, you know, can we actually forgive someone that did that? Are they worthy of forgiveness? Can they go operate in the world without that taboo behind them? You know, that's where it gets tough. We want to rehab these gentlemen. Yeah, not all of them get better, right? They say school is the university for criminals, but like there's people in there that do get better and do realize they made a mistake, but then they carry that with them their entire life. So what that led me to was a conversation around forgiveness, which is what we were talking about. And The example I always give is like, how can we ask for forgiveness if we haven't even forgiven ourselves, right? So if one of these men that took a life went to a parent that had their child taken from them and said, hey, will you forgive me? Obviously, there's probably multiple ways of that going, but let's just say the parent's like, no, I will not. But that person hasn't forgiven themselves yet. Are they really asking authentically? Are they asking it in the moment when they need to ask it? Or will the parent forgive them if the parent hasn't forgiven themselves for whatever the conversation they have? Because they might be like, why did I let my baby boy out, my baby girl out? Like, this is on me. I, I could never forgive myself. So I think the whole forgiven you know, equation starts with you got to forgive yourself to then ask for forgiveness. Just like love. You've got to love yourself before you can actually truly love someone else or allow someone else to love you. Because we're constantly in that battle of either not receiving or giving too much or whatever the situation is. So the design says forgive and it casts a shadow that says forgiven. Because, you know, on the forefront, we always want to put the thing out front. Hey, forgive me, forgive me. But what might be hiding underneath is like, oh, let me forgive myself to then be forgiven. And that probably happens in a lot of things, right? We're always asking for the thing we think we need, but we can actually give it to ourselves. Say that one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> We're always asking for the think that for the thing that we think we need that we can actually give to ourselves. That's so real 
And so like, I just want to bold italicize that because I think, again, it's the snapshot that we're working toward. Like, even it means like, even in relationships, right? When you're talking about love, relationships with your mom, with your dad, with your significant other, like there's this feeling of like, love me, love me, love me. But when we start to love ourselves, it manifests in all the relationships that we have. And I, I want to talk to you about when you started doing these love murals, like when did you start kind of like owning that word love? And as you say, building this culture of love, like when did that begin for you? And what has it, I mean, you're global now, okay? France to California, like what has that turned into today? So I painted a lot of, you know, what you see behind me secretly and never, never put it out in the world. I was always oh. under the impression of like, let me paint that anything can happen, anything can be. The you are beautiful, the be humble, the you belong here. Like bigger gratitude words. And I'm like, I don't know how I can put this on a wall. Plus, I didn't want to do a whole side of a building with just that. I felt like that wasn't enough and probably a lot of work, but it wouldn't deliver it the way I wanted. So I just had to get over my own conversations in my head. And then one day I just started, the first love wall I did, I did with my wife now, but she was my girlfriend at the time. It said love and it was filled with loves. That was the first, first one I did. I think it was 2016 in an alley in Venice. But then a few years later, I started adding it to pieces of murals. Like I would do, there's an I am love mural in Houston, in the Houston Heights area. And the L-O-V-E, just the O is filled with the love script, right? And then I have a do what you love. And one of the letters, I think the O and the love again, that's just became the consistent thing, would be filled with the, the script. There's one in Reseda, there's two of them. And just the O has the script. And then eventually I did more and more. And like, how do I make this even bigger? How do I make the loves bigger? And I kept expanding it to like, you know, just the single vector and, and putting that out there. So that's how it kept happening. It's like, why am I hiding the thing? Why don't I make it just as simple as I'm trying, to, I'm trying to use a lot of words to simplify it, but why not just use one word? Mm. So that's, that's how it kind of kept going. Oh my God. And how beautiful that it started with your wife. That's so cute. What a cute love story. I, um, you know, it's it's inspiring again to see a, and I, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but to see a man, a Latino man doing this work. And when I say that, it's because I didn't grow up personally seeing a lot of men, Latino men be vulnerable. I've seen a lot of Latino men be loving, but not vulnerable and talk about love and be in their feels. Like that's not what I grew up around. How... Has that even been a thought to you or has that been, did you grow up around men that did show vulnerability and love? Like, I'm just curious, the dynamics between cultural, like Colombian and how you grew up versus what you are and what you're doing now with art. So we're talking about machismo, right? <laughs> so, you know, as a Latino, you're just supposed to be tough, show up, never complain. You know, we're the hardest workers in the room. Go get your paycheck go home, pay your bills, support the family, especially as immigrant, you know, when they come here and I could see this from the, my friends that had parents that worked really hard, like had job jobs. My parents were always self-employed and entrepreneurial. So that was a little bit different. My dad built computers. My mom did finance. My dad was very loving in the sense like he showed affection. Mm -hmm. So we had affection, kisses, hugs, whatever. Uh, but that was it. That was the extent of it. 
Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, back then, I don't see vulnerability. Uh, you know, being Latino is tough. You don't share the family secrets. You don't go out and talk about it. This is on both sides, mom and dad. What happens in the house stays in the house. Mm-hmm. You know, something happens, you come home, hey, this happened. Go light the fire and go attack, right? So it, it was just, you know, and it all comes from a, a great loving place. It's It's kind of what we know. So I don't know. This was just sort of in me in the sense that I've always been like the sensitive guy, empathetic and compassionate. But there's points in my life where I was just kind of shut down and then I became shut down. It's not that I don't, it's not that I'm this king of vulnerability either. Trust me, I go, I'm working on that every single day. It's just, I know now by the more work that we do, the more we practice, just like going to the gym. You run more, you lift more, you get stronger, you get faster. You do the mental work, you do the mental reps, you do the emotional reps. You get quicker out of reacting. And now we can like respond more. So it's always there. It's, you're never going to be quote unquote healed, right? We are always in the process of healing. I wish. <laughs> yeah, I wish there was a magic pill, right? Take this pill. Right. And you're golden. Right. It'd be perfect. I, it's real. I mean, the machismo culture is really real. And it's so funny you said you grew up around affection because, I mean, the men in my family are the most affectionate people. Like, I think just our family is so affectionate and our community is very affectionate. But when it comes to the hard stuff, and that's one of the reasons I built this platform, like, how do we have vulnerable, real conversations and kind of shift this narrative of what? Latinidad is supposed to look like or sound like or act like or move like, you know what I mean? There's so many layers to all of us. And how do we honor those layers? As you were mentioning, right? Like the the onion, how do we unravel those layers and show the world who Latinos really are? And it shows that we're all, I mean, we're all different, all doing our own thing, all different sazon and hardworking. And I think there's this beautiful thread that makes us all Latino. And that's why I think this interviewing all these different people like yourself is so inspiring to me because we're all in this community together making it happen. Mm-hmm. And I your agree. mug, by the way, is so beautiful. And I want to hear about the tequila partnership. How did that happen? Because I need to buy myself, if it's still even out there, this beautiful tequila bottle. That it is. Have. There's there's some bottles out there. I could send you a link. A couple years ago, I linked up with the guys at Mandala. And it took that long to get to execute the bottle, by the way. So like we, oh, we put wow. in our love, effort, and work into this. And we're like, we should do this. They always do a Dia de los Muertos release. Mm-hmm. So this is their first like other artist collaboration. And I love tequila. And if you drink good <laughs> tequila, it's even better. So it's excellent tequila. And we just came up with this bottle. And we're like, hey, let's do this. I'm like, I could get behind that. And I wanted to meet the the, the team and the people. And they're just, they're great. I, I love what they're doing. And uh, the difference is also that they're kind of niche and boutique. And that matches what I'm doing. Like we put in a lot of craft and quality into our product, into what we're putting out in the world. So that already made it as an easy decision of like, okay, let's do this. It wasn't just bottom shelf tequila. Right, sell some bottom shelf for twenty dollars and sell a million units and laughing to the bank. No, you know, 
that can be done, but that's not the case. I wanted something really tasty, really good, really delicious. I say, what does love taste like? And it tastes like this. <laughs> it's, so the first it's ones so were hand painted. Oh, wow. And we figured out that we couldn't execute multiple thousands of bottles hand painting them. That's so we a figured out a way to, you know, hand place it. They're still very unique. They're still, each bottle's very different just because of how the paint adheres or whatever the case is. So it's almost like their own one of ones, but in a way that we were able to to bring something of quality to the masses. Before we close this conversation, Ruben, how has the process been for you since you started doing art and falling in love with art again and doing these love murals? Like, What has this process looked like and felt like for you as you kind of just reflect on it? Hmm. How do I answer this? The doubt never goes away. The doubt's always there. And, and I want to say that because as creators, you know, sometimes we sit there and sit in our doubt. It's also the, 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 the effort in the vulnerability of putting it out there. That doesn't go away either. It's not like it gets easier. Like, I'm like, oh, this looks really cool, but I'm still hesitant to put it out there because I'm like, I want it to be the best possible thing. Mm. But once you get to a point, I think it's important. I'm bad at celebrating my wins because I'm like, what's next? Where are we going next? I guess it's just know. looking back and <laughs> reflecting. It feels like I started yesterday, but it's almost 10 years since my first mural. And I quit my finance career 2018, cold turkey. So I've only been like full time since 2018, but I painted that first mural in 2014. So it's hard work, it's effort, it's the journey. The journey is more rewarding than the end result. The end result super cool. But uh, yeah, that's it. I don't know where we're going to. I mean, in my head, I know where I want to go, but I just got to keep doing it day by day. So it's day by day, keep going, keep pushing forward. I don't work. I don't consider this work. I mean, there's tedious stuff that I have to do that I, oh, I don't want to do this, but it's not work. <laughs> I, I play every day. So, yeah. How can people connect with you, your art, your murals, your tequila? Like, how can people find more about Ruben? Google Ruben Rojas. So much shows up. <laughs> I, someone was uh, telling me, I'm flex, Googling you. Wow. <laughs> uh, no, it's because there's lots of art and photos of but RubenRojas.com, at Ruben Rojas on Instagram, at Ruben Rojas on Twitter. Almost everything's Ruben Rojas. The podcast on Instagram is We Live Through Love, but the show is called Live Through Love. And yeah, it's all over. And Ruben Rojas, just Google him. I want to close this conversation out with a quick brindis. This is how I like to close out all my conversations. So I have my cafecito. You have tequila with you, right? So it's an actual brindis on your end. I do, but I could do coffee to coffee. Yeah, could do coffee to coffee. Cafecito to cafecito. Ruben, what do you want to cheers to and what do you want to manifest for our Latino community? The power of choosing love. Hmm. Salud and cheers to that. Mic drop. Salud. And we have to drink before it's bad luck. Mm hmm. We'll put some Thank sound you. effects so it looks like we. I know, right? I know, I know. Thank you, Ruben, for this time. And thank you again for the work that you're doing through murals. Art is, I think, the biggest gift that we have in the world, honestly. And 
I'm I'm just a big fan of those who are artists because I can't draw even a stick bigger. So I appreciate y'all's work so much. But thank you, Ruben, for everything that you're doing. Thank you. In the spirit of love, I'm trying not to get emotional because, you know, Abby Simpin. But I just really want to tell y'all how much I love you and appreciate you for tuning into this space whenever you do, whether it's on your morning commute, while you're working out, drinking some morning cafecito, wherever it is that you are, whatever it is that you're doing. Thank you. I see you. I acknowledge you. And I love you. For all other love content and Ruben Rojas art, fashion, podcasts, anything of his content, go to rubenrojas.com. You can also follow him on all social media platforms at Ruben Rojas. I'll see y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. For all Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast on Instagram. You can also follow me on my personal Instagram at ojasmine4as and find me on LinkedIn. See y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. For all Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast. For more information, my website has it all. You can see it in the show notes. Y con mucho, mucho amor, amiga Nureña.